Welcome to the I Belong Here podcast. Please join us on this journey as we will navigate the world meeting fantastic women who are real scientific role models. Together, we wish to inspire the next generation of girls who dream about being scientists. Look out for our male ambassadors too, as they do believe in the representation women deserve and earn in science. Stay tuned for amazing guests, check out the podcast description for credits and acknowledgements, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay up to date with our latest episodes. And she said, don't you change, but I can't help these thoughts up in my brain, yeah. She breaking me down, she loves so hi everyone and welcome to this new episode of the I Belong Here podcast. Today I have a really nice guest with me. Her name is Carmen. Hi Carmen. Hi Noe. Very nice to have you here. Thank you so much for accepting this. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. This is great. Um, just to let the audience know a bit more about you, uh, Carmen is originally from Guatemala, but now she's a PhD candidate at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in the United States. She's passionate about food science and food security, and she's currently doing research on microbiology and poultry products. Now, this sounds super interesting, and I have a bit of uh, have a couple of questions about you know your transition from your country of origin to the states but do you think you will be able to let the audience know a bit more about your work like what is exactly uh, microbiology of poultry products uh yeah so i look at two types of microbes the bacteria that live in poultry um i look at pathogenic bacteria like salmonella which are the bacteria that can make you sick from mm. eating raw poultry and i'm sure uh, your audience has heard before and you've heard before about how it's so important to cook meat yes. to uh, uh, an appropriate temperature. So that is one like very important part of the bacteria that I study that are part of poultry, you know, like salmonella is very natural on all types of poultry. Mm. So it's very normal that it would be there. Uh, the poultry industry does its best to reduce the numbers of salmonella through the through the food chain, you know, through the whole mm -hmm. processing and things like that. And that's what part of my research is, uh, you know, what can you do at an industry level to mm. reduce those numbers? However, it's practically impossible to get those numbers to zero. Yeah. And that's where you have another area of food safety that is consumer responsibility for, you know, cooking your meat correctly and handling your poultry the best way you can at home to avoid getting sick. Yeah. Also, I look a little bit on other bacteria in poultry, especially type of like spoilage bacteria, mm. you know, uh, the things that will limit the shelf life of your chicken. And, you know, you have a po certain point where the spoilage bacteria will make the, the chicken, you know, like, not appetizing anymore <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> like it starts to smell bad like it starts to look oh. slimy all of that so the more we learn about this spoilage bacteria the better uh quality of poultry we can have and mm. it's just part of trying to reduce food waste mm. 
Well, that's um, that's really interesting at so many levels because obviously um, the poultry industry is worldwide. You know, um, do you do you use your research to perhaps communicate with industries, or do they get any data from you or from other colleagues that might study something similar than you? Uh, yeah, a lot of the research I do in food science is very tied to industry. Mm. We will do very applied studies where we can have industry partners that, you know, they donate the chicken or mm. they come up to my lab with a question and they're like, would you be interested in helping us solve this question? And also, that's one way that projects get started. Another way that projects can get started is you have a research question and then you try to see how it would apply to the industry as well. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's, that's quite a dynamic PhD, isn't it? You know, yeah. uh, not only doing your research, but also, you know, actively communicating with industry. So you both can learn from each other, if that makes sense. Yes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really cool. So it also has your research has also, you know, translational uh, effects, if that makes sense, not only to the different industries across the world, but also, like you said, for, for the food waste, you know, because this is a big problem, uh, obviously, not only where you are based, but also worldwide. So it's really interesting, you know, that by studying these little fellas, these little microbes, <laughs> then you can do such a big impact in at different levels. Yeah, that just ties in to my interest in food security. You know, food security is all about um, everyone having enough to eat uh, in a way that's accessible to them, mm. uh, food that is safe to eat, food that is nutritious, mm. food that uh, ties well with your culture and mm. your beliefs. And yeah, so food safety, food security, food waste, all of these are things that I'm passionate about. Mm, that's awesome. And so you are a PhD candidate. Which year of your PhD are you in now? Uh, it, this is my fourth year. <laughs> oh, okay. I was I was thinking about that before, uh, because obviously on the States, the, um, the PhDs, they last longer, isn't it? Um, yeah, they can last. I mean, I think the average is like five years. If you mm. did a master's before, some people will say that you can do it in three years. But mm that's still kind of hard yeah also um i am my advisor's first student mm. so pretty much my first year just went in setting up the lab yes <laughs> that that sometimes happens yeah <laughs> yeah everyone's experience is different with their phd and mm. it's totally fine to just take as long as you can of course you need Yes. Well, that's that's uh, that's funny because here in the UK, where I am based, where I did my cheese mm -hmm. here, I recently passed my Viva in 2020, and the oh, cheese is. Thank you. I'm a doctor finally after all those years, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so here in the UK, the PhDs, they last for three years of research. And then usually you have one year that you write your thesis, you organize the Viva, you pass the Viva, mm -hmm. etc. Um, but in the country where I'm from in Spain, the PhDs, they usually last for five years. Um, they are way longer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I ask you, because I know from different people that I follow on Twitter, you know, from the States that the, the PhDs are sometimes longer than here. Um, so yeah, so when, when do you think you would be finishing and graduating or it doesn't have like a date so far? <laughs> uh, well, 
um, I'm aiming for December of this year to. Oh, graduate. that's close! Uh, Yay! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna be a busy year, but mm-hmm. I think I can I can make it by then. I think I'm pretty sure you will make you will make it, and I'm gonna be stay. I'm gonna stay tuned to Twitter to your feed to see <laughs> when you will submit your thesis and everything. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm definitely tweeting about that. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> that's that's great. It's such a nice feeling, you know, because it's 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 a nice feeling, but also a weird one, you know, because mm-hmm. you spend all these years doing this research, then you write literally a book about it. <laughs> And now with COVID, at least, at least in um, where I work, I submitted my thesis online, you know, so oh, you kind of, yeah. you, you, you do the PDF of your thesis, you know, and you click the button of send the email and then you have like a weird silence, like, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a weird feeling, but it's, it, it's great. Then it kind of sinks in and then you realize, mm-hmm. you know, that all of that research is, is in this book. Um, and it's, yeah. it's an amazing feeling. You'll see. You'll definitely make it. <laughs> that's yeah, that's awesome. forward to that. Yes, that's awesome. Um, so like I said before, um, now we know a bit more about your story uh, in terms of research, uh, but I'm really interested to ask you, um, how did you come to this point? Uh, obviously, um, if you were born in uh, Guatemala, how did you actually... Uh, arrived to the States, what motivated you? Was it the PhD that motivated you to come to the States or was it before? Um, well, it, it was before. It's, it's kind of a, I have like sort of an interesting story in that sense. Mm. Um, starting with food science, like why food science and everything else. Uh, like it's, you said, I grew up in Guatemala. Grew, Guatemala, it's a great country, but we have a lot of inequality and we yeah. have a lot of problems with food security for everyone mm. and that was something that I was aware of since I was very young and um, I was lucky that one of my neighbors was a food scientist mm. and she did a master's here in the U.S. Um, and I met her while I was in my last years of high school. She was one of the people who explained food science to me and encouraged me to follow it as a career because I knew I wanted to do something in science, something in engineering, uh, but like that society aspect was also important to me. So I did my undergrad in food science and and food engineering in Guatemala City. Mm -hmm. And then when I finished, uh, my undergrad university had a partnership with the University of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And I was able to come to the US uh, for six months for an internship um in the food science department and that's that was really like my first you know full research university experience Mm. and I loved it I loved the lab (laughs) I love microbiology and um yeah it was the I, I had always considered studying abroad and maybe going to grad school but just that opportunity really made it so much easier for me because at the end of the internship um my supervisor for the internship was like well if you apply to grad school here you're gonna get in because Mm. I want you to be here oh that's great (laughs) yeah that was great like now I I mean I've been very lucky because now I um as a master's student you know I was younger I was in my early 20s (laughs) um I thought 
I thought grad school was easy to get into like that. Mm. Um, of course, later on, I realized like how many more challenges there are and how I was just very lucky that my family supported me, that my undergrad um, institution supported me and that I mm. just found this wonderful opportunity to be here in Nebraska. Mm. And when I was when I finished my master's at the University of Nebraska, I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay um, in academia for a PhD. Mm -hmm. um, my advisor did say that if I wanted to do it, she could help me. She could find the funding for me to stay on as a PhD student. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, I was 25. I was young. I <laughs> didn't know what or younger, I don't know. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, but I was sure that um, a PhD would make me very qualified in my country. Yeah. And yeah. Um, maybe overly qualified mm, okay. <laughs> for a lot of jobs. And so I decided to go back home with a master's. Mm. Um, and it was kind of a hard transition. <laughs> going back home but mm. it was also a great decision because I was able to spend more time with my family and I was also able to get some industry experience mm. I I went home for three years I worked in industry during that time I had like three different jobs oh wow um yeah it's challenging sometimes to find a job that you like and yeah it is that you're willing to do for a long time period of time. Mm. And um, yeah, that gave me more time to think about what I wanted and how I wanted to impact my community and what can I do with my talents and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I decided that I wanted to get a PhD mm -hmm. and come back to the US for it since, you know, it's closer to home. I already had a master's from a US institution. Mm -hmm. it, it made sense. And yeah, I, I got lucky again. There was another advisor and University of Nebraska that was looking for a PhD student. So I applied, I talked to him, <laughs> um, we hit it off. And that's how I came back to do my PhD. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a that's an intense journey indeed. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's super interesting. And completely, you know, admirable um, what you what you have done, you know, um, even if, um, you know, your home country is kind of closer to Nebraska, it's kind of, um, especially what you said, you know, like, uh, there is a lot of inequality back in your country. Um, so it seems that, you know, going to the States was a really positive experience for you. And it's amazing that you have the support from your advisor, uh, you know, and you have, you um, the PhD and you're going to graduate soon. Um, but it must be hard, you know, to, like you said, going back to your country um, and then perhaps leaving it. Um, I'm also living in another country different from my, my home country, you know, and this is my uh, six, my sixth year in the UK. And um, yeah. when I say bye to my family, you know, after my holidays, it's, it's always hard. And I know that it's always going to be hard. Um, so, I understand, you know, like you are finishing your PhD and, and, and your passion about food science and everything. Um, 
do you think uh, it's in your plans to go back to to work in your in your country for these kind of uh, food safety and stuff or do you think you will continue in the states uh for the moment i think i'm gonna continue in the mm -hmm. states for a mm -hmm. little bit longer um i want to get more training in the kind of work that i do and that will be easier to do here um i want to get a better at science communication at community mm. outreach and all of that and i think there are more opportunities to do hard here that here in the states mm -hmm. and we'll see in the future you never know <laughs> yeah no no you never know uh but yeah it seems like uh perhaps you will have more opportunities uh in the states um so you know you you have this um amazing uh, journey you have all the steps that you that you did you know and transitioning between the two countries um i'm pretty sure uh it was a an um, like an intense journey but no no free of challenges you know and you mentioned a couple of times that you face you know certain uh, challenges so I'm, i'm really interested um in one or I don't know, like a particular challenge that you think um, it defined you in terms of uh, taking your decisions, you know, driving your passion for science and how did you had any role model to help you or do you have your, you know, your family supporting you across your journey? Well, definitely. And one challenge that I think you will understand is, uh, you know, it being an immigrant in a different country, mm -hmm. um, It can be hard to be far away from your family. Uh, even when I have the chance and the opportunity and the blessing to be able to go home kind mm. of regularly when there's not a pandemic, uh, it's still really hard to move away from your country, even yeah. when you're chasing your dreams and something that's very passionate for mm. you. Um, so that has always been a challenge for me, especially uh, moving to Nebraska. It's a small... Um, it's uh, a smaller uh, city, Lincoln is a smaller city, and it's very different from Guatemala, and, you know, the weather is different, the yeah. um, traditions are different, and everything else, um, but I think something that was really helpful for me for that challenge has been um, finding more friends that are in the same that are in the same situation mm -hmm. and you know also i got here to the university of nebraska and so much of the faculty in food science is also diverse and from different countries and they they understand a lot of what it's like to face this challenge mm -hmm. so for me it's been really helpful to have a network of you know mentors and peers that understand how hard it can be uh to move away from home yeah yeah <laughs> and it's, you know yeah, yeah. it definitely Have helps Yeah, it definitely helps. You know, when I when I arrived to the UK as well, I was um, by myself, you know, and then I found like a little group of friends that we were all from different countries. So we all had the same fears, you know, the same struggles. Um, I mean, it definitely makes a difference in your day to day, um, even in the lab, you know, when you feel like, oh, your experiments are not working, which it happens most of the times, you know. <laughs> so, you know, when yeah. that... 
when that happens and you know you have your friends around in your lab or in the department that really makes a difference especially at um a PhD level you know uh, it really makes a difference for your day-to-day -day. yeah yeah finding that kind of support is very important hmm. so well that's 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 an amazing um journey and full of challenges indeed but the 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 thing that i am fascinated about this you know you sound supernatural about them you know like yeah i did this i did that i went back to my country then i went back to the states and then yes uh let's see if, what the future holds you know so it's really admirable you know the the security that you have in in telling this journey because not a lot of people will will be able to do this you know moving in between countries to to pursue your passion and everything it's it's something that I think um, people are still holding by it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, at the beginning, you know, when you first decided to leave Guatemala, maybe you didn't have the security that you have um, nowadays, you know, that that's why we grow from the experiences. But it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, like totally respect, you know, your journey and, and your and your learning and everything because it's it's really admirable um, how, how secure <laughs> you are of it. <laughs> Well, of course, like you said, we all grow and we we change. And also, like right now, I can tell you this whole story looking back. Of course, yes. <laughs> Which, of course, is something like a perspective that you gain over time. Because I, I remember when I first applied for the internship, it was like six months. I had just graduated from undergrad. I was, what, 22? And I was like, I'm just going to go there six months. And it's going to be a small part of my life. And then yes. I'm going to come back home and keep on going with my plans that I had yes. before. And at the, and at the set, end of those six months, I was like, oh, yeah, let's stay in Nebraska again <laughs> for like another two years for my master's. And then I'm going to go back home and, and keep going with other plans that I have. Mm. And I still remember... Um, deciding to go back home was really hard. Most of the friends that I had at that time, most of them, they finished their master's and they just kept going with the PhD. Mm. And one of my friends that I really value at the time, she was like, um, like, you know, a lot of us will just keep doing the PhD because we're comfortable here. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily because we're totally passionate about the science but more because we're already did this masters and we just want to keep going continue the it's loop right easier it's easier you know it's just inertia so mm. me going back home in a way was just breaking with that inertia and being like okay but what do i really want and um it was hard at the time um and it's still been hard when i decided okay do i want to come back or what um after you take like that break of three years i came back and some of my friends you know they already had the phd degree mm. some of them were already starting as postdocs or even professors oh wow that's that's fast. very young because <laughs> you know like i left when they were starting their PhD or when they yeah. were mid PhD. So when I come three back back three years later, one of them was already a professor, and I was like, Oh, oh my wow. god, I've, I've I've lost so much time, you know. Yeah. And there's also, you know, like that society pressure and academic pressure to do everything fast. 
you know? <laughs> yes. And to get things done as quickly as you can. And that was played a big part of me too, and choosing to come back to the PhD because mm. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to start a PhD when I'm 28, 29, and I'm going to be like 33 when I finish. And that <laughs> felt so old at the time. <laughs> you, you know, know and you yes. know, you can put a lot of struggle, you know, like put a lot of pressure on yourself to figure out things early. And, <laughs> and sometimes you don't. And it's yes. okay. <laughs> yes. And that's actually something really cool about the lab that I'm part of. A lot of us took time to work in industry or have done a lot of other different things before actually doing our PhD. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you a different perspective of what's out there, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just spending your whole time in university. Yes. But, you know, this is, yeah. um, this is really a, uh, pertinent to say you know because I think um, the way we are obviously this varies from country to country and because of cultural perceptions and things like that and you know even the media and 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 so on but I think we are when we are little you know we are taught with different uh, society expectations and I think these expectations they are even even higher when you are a woman you know because we need to have kids we need to get we need to get married we need to, you know, do all these things. And for some reason, it seems that 30 is the age that you need to do something. You need to do everything. I started my PhD when I was 28. And mm-hmm. I remember I had exactly the same, uh, you know, th- thoughts like you. Really? Yeah. yeah, like, oh my God, when I am 30, I'm still going to be on my PhD you know mm-hmm. and i had i had other friends that they already had their phd and they work in industry and they had already kids and everything and i and felt the house well, and the yeah. car and the holidays i exactly i, I totally understand <laughs> exactly i don't even have a driving license i mean <laughs> <laughs> i i haven't even had the time to actually have a driving license you know um mm-hmm. so i completely understand that and it's i, I think like i said it's, it's even higher when you're a woman you know you have these expectations yeah. uh you need to be before 35 to do certain things and reach like certain milestones. But at some point you need to think like, what if that milestone that the society is putting out there is not my milestone, Yeah. you know? Um, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's linked as well with what you said that um, about when you do post-grad like masters, a lot of people mm-hmm. roll into the PhD because it is safe perhaps to stay there. It is safe and it is what it looks like and it looks like that's the correct step to do, you know, to do what she is doing. And mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you. So, and I think some people forget the passion that you need to put for doing a PhD, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think some people forget it when they go in the loop um, and everything. <laughs> so totally, totally agree with you. You know, PhDs, I don't, I don't think they are any piece of cake. Um, I mean... I hope the audience doesn't get scared, you know, with what we are saying, but you need to put passion and, and perseverance. Yeah, um, a lot of it. And I totally agree with what you say as, as a woman and everything else. Like yeah. there's, there's cultural expectations, there's family expectations. And even, you know, even if you're not really sure if that's what you want, you will still hear that voice in your head like, oh my God, you're going to be, you know, like I'm, 
I listened to that voice in my head when I turned 30. It was like, my mom was already married. And oh, now, yeah, the, the famous sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm out here in Nebraska living on my own. I don't have a, anything going on except this PhD, and I hope it's worth it, you know? <laughs> Yes, yes, definitely this sentence, you know, like, oh, my mom and my grandma, they were, they already had one, two kids by my age, uh, what I'm doing with my life, why am I on the lab from, you know, nine to midnight, and then I don't have anything, you know, Um, but I think this is really important to, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast and interview you as well, because I want to give examples of women, you know, that are successful in what they do in, in the step that you are, you are successful, you know, you left your country, you are in another country with a completely different culture, a completely different, like you said, weather, and even a day, the day today is going to be different than Guatemala, you know, but you are doing all of that, you are doing your PhD, and you are doing this for yourself, forgetting any kind of expectations that uh, your country or your cultural uh, origins might have of you. Um, so that's honestly amazing. And I think it's worth to celebrate. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And what you said, like listening about different women who have done it, at, that was another part where I totally locked out in Nebraska. Because mm. during my master's, there were at least, what, like eight, another eight other Latin American women in my program at the same time as I was. Mm. And so that was amazing to me because it allowed me to see how, you know, different women with similar background of me could take this academia thing in different paths mm. and according to their different personalities and just knowing that, you know, there were other people like me doing it so I could do it. And they were all doing the it in their own special way so Mm. that gave me a lot of freedom from you know from imposter syndrome because there was not a point in my master's where I didn't think that I did not belong in our program Mm. and like it always gave me that sense that I could do it the way that I wanted to Mm. and the way that was according to my personality the way that was according to my dreams and yeah, I have a lot of respect and a lot of gratefulness for those colleagues. And mm. that's something that I would like to do for other people as well. Mm. Yes, definitely. Um, like we said before, the team support is, is key. But if, if this if these team support are coming, you know, from your roots and everything, it's, it's even easier to to understand all those uh, you know milestones that society puts on you um do you think this is something also cultural related to where you are from yeah it is a little bit um we you know latin american culture is very warm and it's mm. very people oriented it's yes. very celebratory and loud <laughs> and all of that and Knowing that all of us were in it together and that we could support each other was mm. was really important. <laughs> yes, this is amazing, you know, staying together. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I'm learning so much from you, honestly. I am I am amazed by you know by all these things. It's so it's so enriching, right? To to listen to people with uh, different cultural backgrounds yeah. and from different countries, you know, it's it's so enriching. Um, 
and you said uh, something that I'm particularly interested as well to go towards the last block of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And you said you wanted to improve, you know, your science communication and inspire others as well, because I think you've learned so much from all this stimulus uh, throughout your journey that it totally makes sense that you want to communicate them and you want to, you know, impart this wisdom to other people. So you know, with, with the perception as well that uh, perhaps with uh, being woman, you know, we, we are subjected to different bias in the workplace or like we said, with cultural uh, background and stuff. Um, do you do any kind of um, woman in a STEM campaigns? What do you think about um, the whole movement around incorporation of women into STEM jobs? Do you do something uh, in your lab or in, in Nebraska perhaps? Um, yeah, I try to find different opportunities when I can. Like mm -hmm. I try to use my social media for this as best as I can. Mm -hmm. uh, also this past year with the pandemic and just thinking about different things going on. Um, I joined the, the organization for women in science for the developing world. Nice. Uh, it, yeah, it's an organization backed by the United Nations and it has different national chapters mm -hmm. and the Guatemala chapter was was um, established this past year and mm. they now have over 300 members and I'm one oh, of wow. them and they've been organizing different activities uh, for mentorship for young girls and supporting women mm. scientists uh, all of us Guatemalan either inside of the country or studying abroad or working abroad mm. and it's something that I've been doing this past year that has been very powerful mm. for me because a lot of times you can feel very lonely when you do this whole moving abroad thing and indeed yeah and you might meet people from other countries that are doing the same thing as you but there's you know special place in your heart when you find people from your own country yeah. who are going through the same thing and also because it's as as I said I might stay in the United States for a little bit longer but it's also important to me to know that this kind of outreach and community building is going on at home and mm. to support it as best as I can so yeah that's something that I've been working in this mm. past year and that i trying to support more. Wow. Well, it sounds amazing, you know, like 300 members, you are one of them. And it seems that it's really fulfilling, you know, to, to build this community and to be part of it because, you know, that's, that's how things start, you know, you make this community and, and you get people in and then you keep, you inspire people and people inspire you, you know, that's, that's how it works at the end. And I think it's amazing that you do this type of things. Um, Do you guys do something as well, you know, for little girls and young women that perhaps they want to be scientists or? Um, yeah, the last thing that I was part of, um, well, there's like different monthly Ask a Scientist uh, activities that are mm. happening online that people can submit their questions and different, you know, women scientists from Guatemala will answer in Spanish and all of that. And also last year, They ran a whole creative writing workshop mm. uh, for all of us to write our stories um, for a children's book. 
about women in STEM and oh that's so cute yeah <laughs> so it was really fun uh it built a lot of community it was oh. two months of weekly workshops of trying to write um you know creative like mm. sort of a fictional not so fictional story about how you got involved in science sure and what is the science that you do and it was really fun because you know there were weekly workshops uh everyone would share what they had written most mm. of us that were in you know in more science mode we were used to writing <laughs> scientific articles and very objective pieces yeah. and then just being asked to no but you have to make it a story make it engaging uh write for someone who's like eight or ten years old of course and, yeah and you know Put your heart into it not only your brain so yeah that was a great opportunity and yeah the the story should be published sometime this year oh i i please if you tweet about it i'm definitely <laughs> going to to look for that because that's one of the cutest things i ever heard like a, a book <laughs> for children that's so nice i love that idea yeah. that's so cool because you know kids love they love books so it's yes. it's an amazing tool, you know, to to, tra <laughs> to transmit this message. Oh, that's so cute! This this made my day. This is so nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So actually, with this last uh, concept, you know, with the children book, uh, and you know, this this new generations that perhaps they will get involved into science, and uh, perhaps you know, these 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 children that they will read your book, especially little girls, you know, that they will read your book, and then they will be like, oh. I want to be like Carmen, you know, I want to, I also want to travel to this, to this country and I want to do uh, grad school and everything. Um, if you had yeah. them, if you had them, you know, a group of children right now, little girls in front of you, what would you tell them as a advice or as an inspiration if, if they are thinking about being scientists? What would you tell them to to encourage them and, and so they can be reflected on, on your story and your journey. Hmm. <laughs> you, you, you can say several things. It doesn't have to be only, <laughs> only one sentence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I have to say that you don't have to do it alone and you probably won't be able to do it alone. Mm -hmm. So look for help. You know, look for people who are your heroes, look for people who would be your mentors, uh, look for your cheerleading team. Mm -hmm. You will need all types of people. You need a whole community uh, mm -hmm. to back you as a scientist. And um, there's all these wonderful people out there in the world mm -hmm. and you must, should try to find them and you have to know that they're looking for you too. Yes. Oh, that's so pretty. That's that's an amazing <laughs> advice for them. Um, right. So that uh, concludes the last part of the interview. Uh, oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know about so you. Quick. <laughs> yes, it, it passed so quick indeed. We, I, I've learned so much from you. You are such an inspire, inspiring woman. You know, it's this oh, is no, no, this is incredible. That's what I asked you to be here because I knew we were going to agree in so many things, <laughs> you know, and yeah. 
This was really inspiring. And I hope that you are aware of how many people you can inspire with your journey. Because uh, honestly, I uh, respect, you know, this is, this is great. Um, so I, I really enjoy talking to you. I'm definitely going to stay tuned to my Twitter feed to see when you graduate, you know, when you submit oh, yeah. your thesis. Um, you. I'm going to stay tuned to how your experiments are working as well. <laughs> Well, I hope they're working well. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, let, let's, you know, sometimes they don't work, but... Uh, <laughs> that's, you, that's you always learn something. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. You always learn something from them. I think that's another thing about science. You get very comfortable with failing. Always, always, <laughs> And starting yeah. over again. That's how it goes, you know. You learn from the failure, and the next day you are back into the lab, and then you're like, right, now today I know what not to do from yesterday's exactly. experiment. <laughs> Yes. That's amazing, Carmen. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, and I hope we, we meet at some point in, in our careers. I hope so too. Thank uh, you. That would be amazing. Yes, thank you so much, Carmen. Thank you. Yeah. I don't understand it, and you talking, feeling magic. And